Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole, and today's episode is going to address a question I'm hearing quite a bit right now, and it's a natural question. In case you haven't heard, this is an election year. So of course, there are political implications for what that means, but as investors, we're also worried about what does this mean for our portfolio, especially if we're getting ready to transition into retirement and we just can't afford to take sustained losses. So a very common question, a question you've probably thought about is going into this election year, what does this mean for my portfolio? Are there adjustments that I should make? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at just historically, what do election years look like and what does it mean for portfolios? And then also some specific feedback that's helpful to know as you navigate this, understanding what some things you should be thinking about are. So let's jump in. The question of do election years make a difference in terms of outcomes? We just look at the, the data, look at the numbers and statistically, believe it or not, the election years do not differ that much from normal years when you're just looking at the average return of the market. So during non-election years, the S&P 500, its average return is about 12%. So the average return, this is a little bit different than the annualized return of 10% that, that matters to you as an investor in terms of what would your money have grown by. So we'll get into that maybe on a different episode, but just keep in mind that this 12% is a little bit different than what you can expect to grow by. But the average return of the S&P 500 is 12% historically. Now, during election years, the average return is 11.3%. If you go all the way back to 1929, the average return is 11.3. So is it different? Yes. But is it statistically different? Not even close. 12 versus 11.3. Well, then you ask yourself the question, sure, maybe the return is the same, but is there more volatility? Is there more ups and downs that we can expect as a result of it? And even that is not statistically different from the average year. If you look at the variance in monthly returns, so the variance monthly returns just shows us, are we having months with significantly higher or lower ups and downs than we would in, in a normal year? And the variance in monthly returns is not very different than what you'd expect in a normal year. Now, this year, this is an election year, and we've had some crazy variance in monthly returns, but that was more driven by the coronavirus pandemic and other things like that, probably lesser to an extent the election coming up. But just in general, when you look at the average return and you look at the average variance in election years or non-election years, whether you're doing this with looking at the S&P 500 or other markets around the world, there's really not that much of a difference. So a few things to note with this. Number one, and this is just my theory, this could be true, this could be not true, but think of this as almost like red car syndrome. So the whole, the notion that you buy a red car and all of a sudden you see red cars on the road everywhere. Well, they were always there, but your brain is now programmed or your brain is now trained to see those red cars everywhere. Well, that's kind of like the same thing with election years. People believe elections produce more volatility than other years. So the truth is there's always volatility, but now we have something to peg it to. Now we see volatility everywhere. And the fact that this is an election year, we have something that we can say, oh, that's what's causing the volatility is the election. Well, the reality is we never go a year without any volatility. You're not going to find any year where there's no ups and downs. That's just a natural part of investing. It's just that with election years, we have something that we can peg that to. So really, it's just a form of confirmation bias of is there volatility? Well, yes, there always is. But we now can see that that's in our minds due to the presidential election. 
And election years are volatile. There's there's no doubting that. But so is every other year is the point of this. So should you sit out an election year? Should you go to cash? Should you get more conservative and wait until the election year is over to get back in? Well, I'll ask you, would you sit out any other year and sit in cash and wait for that year to pass? Over time, you can see that's not a winning strategy. Being in cash is not going to help you accomplish your goals. So if you wouldn't do it in any other year where there's a lot of volatility, why would you do it in election year? Well, that brings us to our next point. You say, okay, well, James, maybe the election election years aren't that different than historical average years, but w- I want my political party to win. And I think that the stock market does better when my political party is doing okay. And if the other side is elected, I just don't think that it's going to do so hot for the stock market. Well, let's look at that. Let's go way back to 1896. In 1896, William McKinley, he was elected to become the 25th president of the United States. And since then, we have had 13 Republicans in office and 18 Democrat presidents in office. So not an even split, but we've had enough of both parties to really get some data on this. Now, since that time, had you invested $10,000 in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, so just the the stock market at the time, from 1896 until the end of 2019, that $10,000 would be worth over $7 million today. But if you take the logic that many people apply when it comes to elections, and by the way, I've had this on both sides. If a conservative president's being elected, liberals and Democrats don't want to be invested. If a Democrat or a liberal is being invested, conservatives and Republicans don't really want to invest. So if we go back to that example, and let's say going back to 1896, if you say, what if you only invested when your political party was in office? So if you're a Republican, you sit out when a Democrat's in office. And if you're a Democrat, you sit out when a Republican's in office. Either way you slice that, whether you're Republican or Democrat, if you were to do that, you would have six million fewer dollars than had you simply invested your money and let it ride while both a Democrat and Republican were in office over that time period. And the ironic thing is, is as an advisor, I work with a lot of people who are, are Republican. I work with a lot of people who are Democrat. And, and the funny thing is I hear people from both sides saying, I want to sit out or I want to make some adjustments to my portfolio until we know who's going to win the election. And I'm not saying that who wins the election doesn't matter. It definitely matters for a lot of reasons. But the the reality is whoever wins the election does not actually have that much impact over what the stock market does and what you can expect your investments to do. And that's a surprise to a lot of people. A lot of Democrats will say, no, I would, and if a Democrat's in office, the stock market's going to be better. If Republican is, is, will often say Republicans are more business friendly. So if Republicans are in office, the stock market will do better. And what you see is the average return of the stock market is not that dissimilar from the return of only when Republicans are in office versus the return of only when Democrats are in office. And then you might, you might even say, well, wouldn't we be better off if the political parties were at least more cooperative and compromising and could get more accomplished? And again, not necessarily. And in fact, historically, the markets have actually done better when there has been gridlock. Maybe you could say that, that when there's gridlock, that politicians have less that they can get in the way of. But stock market as a whole has done better when there's been divide and when there's been gridlock in terms of who's in Congress versus who's in the White House. And you might even say, James, this is this is great. This is all great to look backwards at history and at data and see what that shows us. But things really are different at this point. Things are so ugly politically. We've got two parties that just don't seem to get along at all. Doesn't that have to mean something? Doesn't that play into our decision one way or the other versus to see what's going to happen next? But my next question is, when were things not ugly? Was there ever a time and maybe there was times when it was worse than others or better than others. But let's go way back. You know, we go back to George Washington and we see this picture of George Washington crossing the Delaware. And that's kind of our image of him. And we almost imagine this hero that had the full support of the colonists as our very first president. 
And there is absolutely no doubt that he was a hero, but the reality is he did not have the full support of people at that time. In fact, a, a quote from George Washington, he says, newspapers are filled with all the invective that disappointment, ignorance of facts, and malicious falsehoods could invent to misrepresent my politics. That's just his better way of saying fake news at the time. That was happening when our very first president was in office. Thomas Jefferson, this is a quote from him. He says, nothing can now be believed which is seen in a newspaper. Truth itself becomes suspicious by being put into that polluted vehicle. Again, that is a president at the time saying that the news, the newspapers, what's circulating is fake news. So these lies, these things, this this not getting along, it's nothing new. In fact, if you haven't seen Hamilton, number one, see it, you absolutely should. But number two, you see that Hamilton was killed in a duel with Aaron Burr. So Alexander Hamilton. Well, Hamilton was not just some guy fighting with other, some, some other guy named Aaron Burr. Hamilton was a former Secretary of Treasury, and he was very involved with forming our government. And Aaron Burr was the sitting vice president at the time that he shot and killed Alexander Hamilton. I mean, that would be the equivalent of Mike Pence shooting a former Secretary of State or former Secretary of Treasury at this point. So if you think things are ugly today, they, they definitely are. There's no doubting that. But there was never truly that time when things were incredibly civilized and everyone just got along and everything just seemed to go along without any hiccups or any argument. So what I find is that today, too many investors, they use politics as a rationale for staying on the sidelines. It's almost like they use politics as their rationale for this intrinsic fear that we all have of losing money. No one likes to see losses in their portfolio. It's never fun to go through the ups and downs. And when we have something like politics, it's so front and center, it's on all our TVs, it's on all the social media, it's everywhere you look during an election year, that just gives reason to the rationale we have of not wanting to lose money or the fear we have of not wanting to lose money. So people will claim that they'll invest when their favorite politician or party gets elected, but that doesn't necessarily work out. In fact, it almost never works out if you just invest when your party's in office. And last point on this before we jump into the, well, what should you do as an investor is keep this in mind. We have a situation where you may not like the person who gets involved. I don't know who you are and what side of the aisle you're on, but whoever gets invested or whoever gets elected, there's going to be a significant part of the country that does not like that person. Well, since the Kennedy administration, the sitting president has been viewed unfavorably by more than half of the country 45% of the time meaning that over the past 55 years, the markets have performed best when the president's approval rating pulled somewhere between 35 and 50%. So that's not great for a president. And so again, this, this conversation is less talking about politics and Republican versus Democrat. It's more talking about the fact that when you're an investor, you're not investing in Donald Trump. You're not investing in Joe Biden. You're not investing in any one person. What you're investing in is you're investing in companies. And those companies have real earnings and real profits and real growth potential. And as they realize that growth potential, they're going to look to do so regardless of in who's in office. They're not just going to sit on the sidelines if their favorite politician doesn't get elected. So keep that in mind that you're not investing in a politician. You're not even investing in an economy. You are investing in companies that are in business to create a profit and then pass that profit along to you as a shareholder. So with all that said, what should we do? Well, what you should do in election years with your portfolios is, quite frankly, very similar to what you should be doing in many years. And that's make sure you're diversified so that you are on track for your long-term goals, regardless of what's happening in the stock market. So we talked about average years and average returns and what do they? What does the market do in election years or what does it do in non-election years? Well, that's not to say that the market can't go down in election years. The average return is positive, just like the average return of the market as a whole is positive. 
but there are still down years in the market and there are still down years in election years. So how is your money invested? Is everything invested in in the S&P 500 or stocks of companies here in the US? Well, those might be great companies, but all those companies are subject to the same political risk. They're subject to the same economic risk. They tend to maybe do better if there's a stronger dollar. So if that's all you're invested in, the outcome of an election, it could impact your investments. I'm not saying that it will or that it won't. I'm just saying that looking at statistics and looking at history, there hasn't been any data that shows election years or one party or another impacts things more than the next. But that doesn't mean that it can't be impacted. It certainly is in many of those years. So when you look at your investments, understand what are you investing for? Let's say you're investing because you're about to retire. Or maybe you already are retired and you need income from your portfolio. Well, if that's the case, you definitely don't want to be invested all in one thing. If all of your money is in the S&P 500 or those types of companies, well, there's going to be some some volatility in many years in those investments. So do you also own, own some small companies maybe? Do you also own international investments? Do you also own emerging markets or real estate investments? Do you also own bonds? You know, bonds aren't paying much interest at all right now, but they do provide somewhat of a safety net. So the stocks go down, you have somewhere stable that you can take money from, take income from in those bonds. So the goal of successful investing is to have a mix of a portfolio or a mix of investments that will do well enough over time to provide you income for the rest of your life, but you have different investments that perform differently. So that when you're relying upon income, if one part of your portfolio is down, maybe because of an election, maybe because of some other factor, you have other parts of that portfolio that aren't subject to the same political risks, that aren't subject to the same market risks or currency risks or any other risks that exist. So this is where it becomes crucial not to focus on an election year as a way to navigate this and try to figure out how do we get in and out of the market at all the right times. That's going to be impossible. You might do it. You might get lucky. You might do that a couple of times, but consistently doing that over and over again, the average return again in election years is positive. So the more you try to get out of the market and get back in, the more and more likely you are to decrease your returns over time in doing so. So successful investing, even in election years, is less about trying to make predictions. It's less about trying to understand what's going to happen next based upon who's leading the polls or who's going to be elected. And it's more about understanding how do you need to be invested? What is your overall financial strategy for creating enough income, regardless of who's in office, regardless of what happens to any specific stock market in this year or next year or even the year after? So with all that said, remember this. Number one, election years tend to do the same as any other year, both in terms of the average return as well as the normal volatility, the ups and downs that you're going to experience. Number two, you are going to notice the volatility more in election years, but I think this is more due to confirmation bias. In the same way, when you drive a red car, buy a red car, you see more red cars everywhere. That's the same reason it's going to seem like there's more volatility in election years because you have a mind for it and your, your, your brain, even subconsciously sometimes, is looking for it. Number three, it is a huge mistake to invest based upon political party. Your politics matter, but your investments do not care who you vote for. And then number four, I will leave you with this example once again. If you go all the way back to 1896, and this is an example, this is this is real. Had you invested $10,000 in the Dow Jones Industrial Average and just left it, it would have turned to $7 million. Had you only invested when your party was in office, in both cases, you'd have only had about a million dollars as opposed to the seven million you would have had of had you let compounding interest continue to do its thing instead of being interrupted and slowed down because of the political preferences that you have. So that's it for today. And the final takeaway is make sure you vote, make sure you invest, and make sure that your investing isn't impacted by who you vote for. 
So that's all I got for today. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to episode number 20 of the Ready for Retirement podcast. To see the show notes and the resources that I mentioned on today's episode, please head over to the Ready for Retirement website, which can be found at readyforretirement.co. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to the show and leave a review. More reviews will help more people to find the show. And by subscribing, you will also be notified each time a new episode is released. And this show is designed to answer your questions about retirement. So if you have a question, chances are good someone else is the same one. Please submit your question so I can answer it on a future episode. And you can do that by going to readyforretirement.co. And there's a tab there called submit a question. Thank you for listening. I appreciate all of you and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.